0: What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, YouTube fam? Welcome to the first DFS lab of week 16, 2023. I am JM. He is Keegan. We will be opening up this slate. It's a Thursday. We were just talking before the show. There's still a lot of, this deep into the season, there's a lot of unknowns on a Thursday, but uh, we will be opening up this slate, talking about it a little bit, Getting our thoughts rolling on this slate, building a roster, and using that as an opportunity to poke around in some of the available angles on this slate uh, and also talk some DFS strategy, DFS theory, become better DFS players. With that, let's get started. One
1: week season.
0: Keegan, my man. Uh, So you were saying before we got on air, you did a little bit more poking around on this slate. Uh, had a little extra time, but you still kind of felt like it's very early. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think it's kind of, I said in the angles email that went out this morning, like, I I think it's better for OWS members. Smaller slates are better because we are better than the field, generally speaking, at identifying who the true best plays are on the slate. And so with a smaller slate, that gives you less to sort through and, and fewer options to like less noise, right? So it's easier to really narrow down that list. And then also, we're better at strategy and theory than the field, and and so we have a clearer sense on a small slate of where the field is going to go, and then where we can kind of push our edges. But this deep into the season, like a twelve game slate, thirteen game slate, kind of feels like a ten game slate mid season. So like a nine game slate almost feels like a six game slate or something. It's like it was, it was crazy. Yeah, scoring's and- down. You got all these backup quarterbacks. You got bad matchups. You have. Uh, injuries, you have you know, obviously we're in this current iteration of the NFL where a lot of split backfields, not a lot of workhorse backs. And so uh yeah, I mean it's like it's a very like typically if if this were week eight, we had a nine game slate, I'd be like, dude, this is dope. Like this is right up our alley. Nine games right here is like, man, what is like what is there to do? Um yeah, any
1: kind of macro thoughts from you on what you've been seeing with this slate? Yeah, uh I mean the running backs, the I feel like not just this week, but really. It, this whole season feels so much different than uh last season when it comes to um point production and and just a whole different um like dynamic with the backs this season and i guess that's just the evolution of dfs um as we continue you know throughout the next few years or whatever but um it just seems so much more thin yeah um, especially yeah. this week as well
0: Yeah. I mean, it's evolution of DFS and evolution of NFL teams. And one of the things that I've, you know, you hopped into DFS in 2021, 2020, 2021. Um, You know, when I hopped in in 2014, I used to laugh that so many people rostered Adrian Peterson because he didn't catch passes and it's PPR scoring and he would be priced as like one of the highest priced plays on the slate. And it's like, dude, just play the cheap running backs who catch passes. Uh, And then the NFL evolved to where Le'Veon Bell And David Johnson would literally, they they would get like 10 to 14 targets per game, plus their 18 plus carries. And it was like so powerful in DFS to have those guys, but also so powerful that other NFL teams saw it and started drafting and developing guys to be those players. But what started happening was these guys would get on their second contracts, get paid big money, and then their bodies would break down because they'd been used so much. So it's like over the last few years, NFL teams have really, there's so few workhorse backs, they've really shifted to these split backfields. And that's a directly affected DFS because the, you know, when Le'Veon Bell and it used to be Adrian Peterson would be like eight K and that was the highest price running back. And then Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, it cracked eight K and then it was like 8,600. It was over nine K uh, and Levitan coined this term team jam them in where it was like, just find a salary to jam these guys in, but it was like crazy pricing. But then the NFL, like the, the NFL has changed. Running back position isn't the same thing, but the pricing hasn't changed. So you're still like, you got, you got guys priced like 7,600, 8,200. And you're like, why wouldn't I just play the wide receivers in the, in these prices? Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, That's how And I then The weirdest
0: it's awesome. thing is like, it's not like the 5k running backs are really providing you much value either. Right. They're all kind of mm-hmm. overpriced for their production. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 tweeted kind of jokingly on uh, I think like Tuesday and said, um, can I just play six wide receivers on this slate? <laughs> uh, I was looking again last night and kind of thinking, you know, like, you know, if we go top down, right. It's like Rashad white is, is a solid play. Um, he's going to be, in fact, we can pull up your, uh, Oh, you got your notebook. I love it. Uh, we got Rashad White's kind of a solid play, but like he's 7,400, his best game on the year is 27.9 points. Right. So it's not like he's not like going to blow you away. He's not going to bury you for not playing him. And most of the time he's going to get you like 17 to 22 points. Uh, I think this, this Cowboys dolphin game is very interesting because of, uh, this is pretty crazy. I was looking this up this morning nine of the Cowboys games have been decided by 20 or more points. So seven of their wins, they won by 20 or more points. Two of their losses, they lost by 20 or more. Why is that? Well, it's because when you fall behind to the Cowboys, you become one dimensional and they have this, these exotics pass rush looks and then Michael Parsons. And they're like an offense can't deal with that. When it, they become one dimensional, they have to pass the ball. Um, and so when the Cowboys get ahead opponents, just like, have a hard time developing their offense, but on the flip side, the Cowboys aren't great when they become one dimensional. So teams that, you know, the 49ers blew them out. The bills blew, blew them out. Both of them did it by running the ball, taking a lead, turning the Cowboys into, into a one dimensional team. So I could see the dolphins really trying to do that this week, uh, especially if Tyree kill is still banged up. And so uh, most are, you know, is interesting from a ceiling perspective, Jonathan Taylor, bad matchup, but interesting from a ceiling perspective. Uh, but generally speaking, like I kind of think like the, like the Bijan Robinson, Aaron Jones, Brees Hall, Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard's going to stand out, I think, on this. Slate. Yeah. It's almost like you, you can just get down to that price range and get sort of the same range of outcomes, maybe with a little bit more risk taken on, like Bijan Robinson, who knows what Arthur Smith will do with that offense. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's thin, and that's one of the first things to note, because if it's thin, but then like ownership starts congregating on one or two guys, that kind of gives us free reign to be like, cool, we'll maybe go to some different guys. Uh, maybe some bad chalk will develop this week. Uh, but then also like, kind of like if, if Jonathan Taylor Mostert, if they don't hit for like a monster game, you're getting the same score, you know, from just these cheaper running backs, as long as you get the ones that actually end up hitting. So, uh, yeah, I mean,
1: I don't know any thoughts, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Is, a- is, um, H out, is he not, um, a possibility as well? Is he, no, I mean,
0: a chan's a possibility as well. I just, um, you know, his, what is this? His last few games, it was nine carries, seven carries. 17 carries but those 17 carries a lot of them came uh in these if i remember correctly in the second half of that game that they won 45 to 15 against washington so um they're still kind of using him in this limited role and most are you know in that same stretch 15 carries 21 carries and then again 11 carries against washington but that was all like he had the first half workload and then a chan took over when when
1: the game was out of hand so so um Are you saying like mostly that he gets played when the game, when they're up and when the game does get kind of out of hand and it, it, uh, you know, it looks like they're going to win?
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, there's also, we can't know for sure what coaches are going to do, right? Bijan Robinson had been seeing the bulk of the workload for Atlanta. And then all of a sudden last week, Tyler Algier was like a much bigger part of the game plan. Uh, A few weeks ago, you know, Devin Singletary had that hot run. It's pretty crazy, right? Devin Singletary had that hot run when Damian Pierce was out. First game with Damian Pierce back. Their carries were almost the same. So that's all people were looking at the box score. But Singletary had played 80% of snaps. So the next week I was like, dude, all in on Singletary, right? And then that was the week where Damian Pierce got more carries, scored his touchdown. Uh, and then that was the one-week blip. And ever since then, it's been Singletary again. So it's like sometimes we don't know what these backfields are going to do. But generally speaking, A-Chan is kind of like their change-up that they're putting out. You know, he's going to get his seven to 10 touches. But it's like he's their change-up back that they're wanting to change up the speed uh, change the look that, that the defense is getting, but they're not giving him the full workload. Uh, so like that, that 17 carry game in the box score, it looks like one thing, but the reality of it was, that was like, and I have to go back and look at that game again to be completely sure, but it, I was watching that game. If I remember correctly, it was like the whole second half turned into an A hand show and it was like, okay, let's rest him, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that, and we saw it earlier this year, right? He had 151 yards on 11 carries, like he had 101 yards on eight carries, So he's still viable in that regard. But yeah, yeah, I think that the, you know, and also the catches, catches are valuable three, five, and three his last three games. So yeah, I wouldn't totally cross him off the list. He's way overpriced for like his touches, but he can yeah. still post a big game. So um, yeah, I think that's a good shout
1: there on the, the points you need possibility type.
0: of Yeah. Jokes. And also like realistically, right. If we're not getting four X for any running backs, and you get 22 points from AJ, like, that ends up working. It's almost one of those unique pairings where, like I said, how you beat the Cowboys, obviously the Cowboys, they just got – what did Josh Allen threw the ball 13 times? We've never seen that. Uh, the Cowboys just got crushed by James Cook. So their whole oh emphasis God,
1: yeah. is going to be, like,
0: we cannot get beat on the ground like this. So just because that happened doesn't mean it's going to happen again. But realistically, if you are the Dolphins and you see, like – Cowboys have been blown out twice and both of them were teams that could control the game on the ground, make the Cowboys one dimensional. The whole, the whole story with the Cowboys is like, just don't fall behind. Cause if you fall behind, you got to drop back and pass and they know that you're going to pass. Like you're in so much trouble against this defense. So, I mean, I could see realistically a scenario in which Mostert plus Achan ends up being optimal on this slate. Like they could combine for 50 plus points and that could be the best running back pairing that you could get, um, you know, regardless of the fact that they're teammates, so yeah. I mean, this is just a really interesting week at the running back yeah. position. See, this um, is
1: this is the dilemma that I've gone through. The same thing with Bijan um, Robinson. Um, you know, like you said last week, it's. It, I think it adds a lot of uncertainty to um, if he's going to be popular this week or not. And uh, I'm also wondering if I'm even going to play him as much because of um, last week alone.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> one thing we one thing we've also seen is this has been in the past that the Packers like go hard at limiting Aaron Jones touches. (laughs) And then there will come a point in the season when their season is on the line. And it's like, Oh, we literally need to win. And all of a sudden you'll like, we go back through past seasons and and look at the box scores. And there will be like this sudden stretch where Aaron Jones is getting 17 to 25 touches per game for like three or four games. So, um, you know, the, the Packers seven and seven right on the cusp of that playoff hunt, uh, it would take some some faith to like kind of pull the trigger on that because we don't know. But on such a thin week, that's one of the places where you could be like, God, it's a great match against Carolina. Um, we did just see the Falcons, which, you know, who 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 can plumb the depths of Arthur Smith's mind? But we did just see the Falcons kind of use their uh, A.J. Dillon type back in Tyler Algier last week against the Panthers and kind of limit Bijan Robinson, who's more of an Aaron Jones type player, uh, limit Bajan Robinson in that matchup. So, you know, maybe the Packers will see something similar, but this is the type of spot where you could see the Packers unleash Aaron Jones a little bit more and be like, Hey, look, we got to win these games. Who cares about protecting his body? It doesn't matter if he's healthy in the playoffs, if we're not in the playoffs. So um, yeah. Yeah. That's another one. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because we're used to running back. Like the pieces kind of line up to where it's like, Oh, I have like three, four, five running backs in my pool. And then like some fringe guys who maybe could hit this week. It's so thin that cause I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is like the great run stopper for Tennessee. He's going to be – he looks like he's going to be out again this week. So all of a sudden, Kenneth Walker is a little bit interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different ways that you could paint the picture of running back this week where it's like, ah, this guy could hit, this guy could hit. Um, it's tough to narrow this position down.
1: Yeah, I like um, Brees Hall as well. I think you had mentioned him. He's in my um, my pool of guys. I yeah, I mean, if it. there's a
0: game oh. that the Jets could stay close in, you know, um and score some touchdowns in, because really, I mean, his pass catching role is so robust. Obviously, throw out last week, but before that, eight catches, six catches, seven catches, five catches. Uh, I mean, that's a tremendous stretch of of game. So then if he adds a touchdown to that, the big issue is this team doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, but can't they score some touchdowns against uh against Washington? Kind of wish that um Zach Wilson was going to be healthy this week. Cause that would obviously be better for the offense than Trevor Simeon. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, in terms of Brees Hall's targets, it doesn't matter if it's Trevor Simeon or, or Zach Wilson, but in terms of like their chances of scoring touchdowns, they would have been a slightly better chance of scoring touchdowns with Zach Wilson. But yeah, I mean, I think that Brees Hall very much is like, he's one of the safest plays in this bunch because his, his role in the pass game is so assured. So his floor is so high and then he can hit for big plays on top of that. So um and yeah i mean i'm glad that we kind of started this running back position because it's such a weird position on this week um Mm -hmm. i feel like quarterback's kind of different that's like there's not that much that stands out uh curious your thoughts on i mean i mean i shouldn't say there's not that much stands out there's things that stand out and they stand out like at a higher level than other things on the on the slate and so it's like a little bit easier to parse down okay here would be my core list at quarterback uh what have you been seeing at that position
1: yeah so i mean you got your obvious you know the top the the expensive guys that you would you're probably gonna play in a couple uh lineups and such but uh i i do want to mention this just because it was so strange last night i had a dream about trevor lawrence like <laughs> absolutely having a bomb game scoring like 50 plus points and like four touch just it was a crazy number and and he just went crazy and if he does play, I think um, he's also on my list. So, I, yeah. love that,
0: I love that, man. <laughs> you know, I remember um, there was an MLB slate one time where I was like, t- I couldn't like crack the slate. And I was like, I was like, man, I'm going to take a shower, try to clear my head. And I was like taking a shower. Was, like, like there was just one player whose name popped into my head. And I was like, dude, that's the ticket. <laughs> <a player." laughs> he, like, he like went 0 for 5. <laughs> like, <he's having laughs> I was like, all right, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know about the dream. The dream, that's a different category. You know what? The uh, Actually, I mean, it's like the Amari Cooper thing we talked about last week where like Amari was 40% of my player pool two weeks ago. Not because he was like a 40% owned play. Like he was that good of a play, but it was just like, you know, he would have been 15 or 20% of my pool and he wasn't cleared from concussion until Saturday night. And so then it was like, oh, literally nobody's going to be on him. Um, with a guy like, Trevor Lawrence, you know, obviously a high profile player. If he were to get cleared from concussion protocol on Saturday night, he wouldn't be like 1% owned, but he would be lower owned than like if we had a full if we had a full week of Trevor Lawrence against Tampa Bay with a pretty th- like thin slate generally speaking, he would get steamed up as like probably the second highest owned quarterback on the slate behind Justin Fields would be would be my guess. Um so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where he gets cleared on Saturday night. He's going to have like, what, five, six, seven percent ownership because people will pivot, but like not pivot enough. Like it'll be half the ownership he would have had if we had a full week of, of talking about Trevor Lawrence. Even better there is, uh, looks like Zay Jones is going to be out this week. Obviously Christian Kirk already out. So you have like a much more narrow distribution of targets. You got Parker Washington, Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram. Like, you know, that the ball is going to one of those three guys. So um, no, I like that chat. And honestly, it kind of makes me think, if if Lawrence is out, why couldn't C.J. Beathard come in and have a, a good game? And that's a guy I really hadn't thought about yet, um, which actually kind of brings me to, I mean, like, look at this. Nick Mullins put up 22.1 last week. Joe Flacco has put up 22.9, 25.3, and 17.2 in these last three weeks. Uh, people really underestimate sometimes the the value that we can get from these backups stepping in. Um, And then also the value these backups can provide. Uh, One of the things that I thought was really interesting, you know, Jordan Addison put up 32 point something points on Saturday. Jordan Addison was like, I had like 10 to 15% Jordan Addison two weeks ago when Justin Jefferson came back and it ended up being, it ended up being Josh Dobbs under center. that game against the Raiders, it was three, nothing. So obviously like it didn't work out for my rosters, but what we see is these situations where it's like thin slates and then people are just like well it's thin let me just go to the best on paper plays and you look at a guy like Jordan Addison who is extremely talented and like we saw Jamar Chase hit with Jake Browning right just because Jordan Addison's playing with a backup quarterback doesn't mean he can't hit and so when these slates get thinner like this like ownership gets so condensed on the best on paper plays and so obviously Jordan Addison was on sa- on the Saturday slate this last week but if he were on the main slate what would his ownership have been it would have been what 2% 3% um and he put up 32 point, I think it was 32.1 DraftKings points, you know, in, in the 5k price range. So it's like we can be looking for situations like this where the field is just waiting for more information. And realistically, like maybe we still end up getting like so many quarterbacks have put up good games against Tampa Bay. CJ Bethard's kind of one of these frantic, frenetic, like he's going to run around and try to make plays. He's going to throw interceptions because he's trying to chuck the ball up to his playmakers he's going to try to run the ball and he's going to fumble it but like he's also going to be trying to make plays out of structure and that can lead to big plays and kind of lead to these um these higher outcomes like D- joe flacco dude joe flacco if they call a deep pass he literally doesn't even check to see if the guy's covered or not. He just throws it, you know, like, which is why you see like three interceptions, one interception, one interception. Uh, he should have had more than these five interceptions in these three games as well. But he also then hits for big plays because he's just like, dude, I'm just going to chuck the ball downfield, you know. Yeah. Um, so Beathard could be one of those. Maybe your dream was like to point you toward the Jags. And if if Trevor Lawrence is out, like, I mean, realistically, Justin Fields, pull up Justin Fields game logs real yeah. quickly. Uh He's got the, obviously limited, limited um, with the injuries this year, but he's got the 33 and the 32.9 pointers against Washington and Denver. Those were through the air. Those were four passing touchdown games. Those were games where he had 57 rushing yards in one, but 25 in the other no rushing touchdowns. Uh, That's it, right? All the rest of his games, he hasn't topped 25 DraftKings points. And then he had the two 40 pointers last year and the rest of the season, he didn't top 25 DraftKings points. So it's like, I, I love Justin Fields this week. He's the play that stands out on paper. But yeah. it's like, couldn't he just put up 24 points and then maybe C.J. Beathard at significantly less salary or Joe Flacco or whoever else puts yeah, up yeah, the same score sense. and you save that salary and just have a lot more flexibility. So uh, I do
1: think it's interesting this week to kind of look to guys like that. Uh, yeah, and one thing I've been curious, I, I never like looked up the stat. I, it's probably pretty easy to figure it out. But I was curious if... Um, the games that Justin Fields does pop off on, the 30-plus point games, does Cole Komet follow with that? Like, Obviously, he might get a touchdown, but from from the games that I've seen, usually he he feeds Cole Komet in these, these passing games that he gets these 30-plus points in.
0: Yeah, so last year, obviously last year they didn't have DJ Moore. So uh, last year, Komet hit for two touchdown receptions in both of the games where Fields hit. Uh, and then this year he had 27.6 and 15.2. So the 15.2 isn't like, oh, we had to have that score. But basically three out of the four times that Fields has hit, Komet has hit. Uh, both times that Fields has hit this year, DJ Moore has hit. The great thing about that offense is they literally just throw the ball to two guys, right? Like look through the box scores at the end. It's like Darnell Mooney has three targets and Equiminia St. Brown has like one target. You know, and the, the rest of them go to DJ Moore and Cole Komet. So um, yeah, it ends up being a really nice setup because when, it's like we talk about, if we get Sam Howell correct earlier in the season, like you still are just getting one spot correct because there's so much guesswork on who might hit with him. Whereas if you, like the weeks when you got Desmond Ritter right, like you know that you're getting Drake London right as well. Uh, the weeks when you get Justin Fields right, you know that you're getting DJ Moore and Cole Komet correct as well. And so it's like you, you get three spots right by getting one thing right. So that is one of the, values of uh, a Justin Fields and and the fact that he can produce like tournament winning types of scores for these guys so CJ Beathard you might get him right but you're getting him right like 20 points at his price tag is solid but that doesn't necessarily mean that any of his pass catchers are popping off for big games so yeah there is definitely a little bit of an edge there in um, in fields actually interesting the the Bears you know we talked about this last week with before Njoku went off against the Bears that entire Bears defense is structured to take away wide receivers and filter targets to running backs and tight ends. Um, and so, you know, you tend to see whether the production's there or not, you tend to see a lot of targets to tight ends against this bears defense. So last week that ended up following with Najoku getting 10 catches, 104 yards. I think it was and a touchdown. Um, they're playing Trey McBride this week, who just last week in literally like the toughest tight end matchup went 10 for 102. <laughs> so um, you could go fields, comet, DJ Moore, throw Trey McBride in the flex. And you have like, that is the most straightforward stack possible on this slate. And I, I don't think that it'll be like fields will be owned, but most people don't do a good enough job just putting the whole bet together. But it's like, if fields hits, it's in a game environment where there's points being scored. Uh, it's in a game where Comet and DJ Moore are also hitting. And maybe, you know, maybe they don't both hit for tournament winners, but like you're getting at least a solid score from one of them and a really good score from the other. And then if the game's staying close, it's almost certainly Trey McBride who's doing stuff through the air against Chicago. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's like a very clear and obvious package bet that's head and shoulders above any other package bets on the slate. And I just don't think it'll be pursued at the level that it should be. Um,
1: yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's a ton of upside to that. Uh, like entire little box bet as a whole. Um I think the only downside would be uh, the price point at, of Justin Fields. And are the, is there going to be anybody, like you said, with the backups, is there going to be anybody lower that hits for the same amount of points?
0: Right, right. And I think that's kind of the way to – we always want to think about what's the structure of the slate and what are we chasing, right? So it's like if we roster one of the cheap guys, what we need – is for justin fields to miss um because the cheap guys and and crazy things happen right baker mayfield you know had one game this year of 23.9 points uh everything else had been 21.4 and below and then all of a sudden he goes out for 33 last week it's like crazy things can happen you can get these big scores from these guys obviously you can see the signs we talked about it with mayfield this year of like okay he hasn't hit for a big game yet but he has games of 300 passing yards, he has games with three passing touchdowns, like those can all fall into place together. He can hit a big game. Um, but realistically, what's likeliest is that none of these cheap guys top like 23, 24 points, right? So then if Fields only hits 23, 24, then it was more optimal to go the other direction. The thing with Fields is he has very clear like 35 plus point upside within his range. And so we have to think about that as well. So yeah, the downside is like, well, what if you spend this extra salary and then Fields is just producing the same score? Well, in that case, you're not winning a tournament anyway, right? And so it doesn't, like, you wouldn't want to hedge by saying, and I know you know this, you're just kind of like talking to the audience, but you wouldn't want to hedge by saying, okay, well, what if Fields only scores 24? So now I won't do the full stack because I want to account for what if he scores 24? Well, if he only scores 24, you're not winning a tournament anyway. So we want to build for like, what happens if we get the bet right? Well, if we get the bet right, then Fields is posting a score that nobody else can catch on this slate or probably nobody else can catch on this slate. Like, we're looking at, like, I'm looking at Nick Mullins and Joe Flacco and C.J. Bethard as, like, attractive quarterbacks on this slate, you know, on this cheap price range. Gardner Minshew, like, these are all backups, like, literal backup quarterbacks, right? And then you've got Justin Fields against the Cardinals. So, yeah, I mean, if Fields goes for his high end, I don't think any of these guys can catch him. And if he goes for his high end, well, then – that's these this is we know who's coming up with him right so it, it ends up being like yeah the, the downside is this side but i mean i do think this is the stack that the field needs to try to beat and i don't think the field like if we took fields ownership will probably be like 15 this week just because he stands out so much on paper um dj Moore, for some people for some reason people just can't embrace dj Moore. it's funny because he was always like over owned relative to his expectations in the past with bad quarterbacks. And it's almost like people are like, oh, well, Justin Fields isn't good, so I won't roster DJ Moore. Um, DJ Moore probably gets, it's like we've seen Russell Wilson have 12% ownership, but Cortland Sutton have like 6 or 7%, right? I don't think it'll be like that, but I don't think DJ Moore is going to be 30% owned. I think he'll probably be in line with Justin Fields. So we kind of take all this ownership, right? Obviously McBride will be popular, but, but if you say like, how many rosters have Fields commit DJ Moore and McBride? I would say probably under 1%, right? Um, so even though these individual plays will be popular, I just don't think we'll see this full stack super often. And then that ends up being like, realistically, this is the stack that people have to try to beat in their rosters and the way that they build in other games or in or in context of us, like when we're building rosters without fields and the stack, we need to be thinking, okay, if that stack hits, what are the ways that I could build that could like outscore that stack? Um, like what has as much ceiling as that or kind of the pathways to outscoring that type of stack. So, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, I think with that, should we, should we
1: start a roster with that and kind of see what it would look like from yeah, a salary? Absolutely. Um, one more thing I do want to add is if we do do a stack, another thing we could add is we could play a defense against one of these backups saying that they are going to miss. I like that. I, I like, like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Out.
0: Very sharp. So. Uh, gain a little bit of leverage by uh, attacking one of these, one of these backup quarterbacks that's going to be popular.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay. So we're going to grab DJ Moore, Kokomet, and Trey McBride. DJ Moore.
0: Man, the Jets are only 3,100 going against, I would presume Sam Howell. Sam Howell got benched last week. The magic has worn off, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, the bucks are only, I would expect the bucks to be popular against CJ Beathard, but only 2,600, Um, I mean, I think that's a nice leverage spot to go to, um,
1: and then we can grab a defense and you're looking already. So the ones that I have, I mean, I didn't even like really look at, I, I always glance at defense until like Sunday morning, but what I have right now is Cardinals, Vikings, Browns, Texans, Colts. And I was looking at the jets, but I was nervous because I have the jets on, a thing where I actually am hoping that they're going to have a high scoring game as well. And I want to make a few lineups based on that. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, Yeah. I mean, one, one thing you can always do
0: is kind of hedge. So it's like, if I get this bet, right, I'm making money here. If I get this, if I get it wrong, I'm making money over here. Um, Yeah. I don't know how, I I would think that of the backups, the one that will probably be most popular would be Joe Flacco. Um, And that would kind of actually, uh, we didn't even mention case Keenum. So there's like, we can attack the backups in that we could, or the backups or guys who are playing like backup caliber players right now, uh, like we could play the Jets against Sam Howell, assuming he's in line to start. We could play, uh, if Drew Locke is going to be under center again, we could play Tennessee against Drew Locke. Uh, we could play the Bucks against C.J. Beathard. Um, we can play the Browns against uh, Case Keenum. But if we're going to say like, Hey, let's get leverage. I do think that the one backup who's going to actually end up being popular would be Joe Flacco. So that would be playing the Texans defense against Joe Flacco, which I think is a really interesting way to go because uh, Joe Flacco, you know, the five picks in three games, but he also has thrown a lot more turnover worthy passes than just that. So um, doesn't save a salary, but does get us like clear leverage. Yeah. So that's one way we, we could go, or we could just say like screw the leverage angle and just grab whichever defense we like the most, um, I'll throw it over to you for, for you to make that decision.
1: Yeah. I think what we can do is throw the Texans in there. And then um, obviously we're going to try and build this. And if we need to go down, always. Yeah. Like, we've
0: we've got salary flexibility. We don't have to play the Texans. Uh, they're one of the more expensive defenses, but. Um, married to
1: it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a nice leverage there. Um, I do think we should maybe try and save some salary on the running back position and maybe try to grab Chuba Hubbard. Obviously he's probably going to be popular this week, but uh we have a great little boxed in lineup. That I exactly.
0: Like so exactly. And I think, and this is an important thing. I think that people who are newer to these types of concepts, maybe don't think about is that our cumulative ownership on this roster would probably be pretty high. I would expect Trey McBride to be one of the most popular plays on the slate. I would expect fields to be the most popular quarterback. I would expect Chuba Hubbard to be, popular so like if you just look at oh add up all the ownership this this roster has too much ownership on it right it can't win a tournament but when you look at like that the structure of the ownership and the fact that we're going to have this block of players from this game that most people won't have and we're actually completing the bet that other people aren't completing with their you know popular exposure to these plays it really doesn't matter that Hubbard will be popular because we have this block of plays together that all correlate well together uh, and won't be owned at a high level so yeah, I like that call. Um, ride with the ownership there. Ride the sharp play there. I wouldn't mind throwing in. I mean, we don't want to go too cheap just to save salary when you – have like we don't want to go to 5K or something just to save salary when you've got Brees Hall at 6,100, yeah. John Robinson 63, Aaron Jones 64. 64. Um, any of those guys that you want to grab
1: above any of really, the others? I really would like to grab Brees Hall. But, I mean, again, if we have to pivot down, we can always uh, do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where – Yeah, I'm kind of the same. The, i don't like, know where get it. this it's like super cheap and i've i've been looking i just don't see anybody that has the upside to yeah pop off
0: yeah and then in terms of uh savings one of the most interesting pieces on this slate is going to be jamal agnew who super speedy guy uh great punt returner great in the open field um the, every once in a while the jags will have these designed plays for him he's only thirty four hundred. Every once in a while, they'll have these design plays for him to just get him the ball in space. Uh, but again, with the injuries to the Jags wide receiver core, he's going to be out there a lot more. And it's one of those where like, his low end is probably six or seven points, but that doesn't kill you. But his high end is like a good 18 to 25 points because he can score from anywhere on the field.
1: Um, um you think he's going to be pretty chalky this week just because of how many injuries are on that team? Or Yeah, just- I
0: would think so. And I would think that I would actually guess – and I could be totally wrong on this, but I would actually guess that just because Agnew has kind of that ball in his hands upside, I would I would expect him to be more popular than Parker Washington. So if we wanted on this, you know, Parker Washington's only 400 more. So if we wanted on a roster like this, we could be like, you know, deeper into the week. It's like, oh, this ownership is is not great for us or whatever. Uh, or we want to do something a little bit different. We can look at ownership projections and lean on those uh, and kind of go a different direction if, if need be. But yeah, I mean, there's nobody who's like, leaps off the screen under 5k but there's plenty of solid options right Brandon Cooks and Curtis Samuel Jahan Dotson Jackson Smith and Jigba uh Dontavian Wicks um and then you know getting down to these Jags wide receivers and obviously there's going to be one of these games where Jamison Williams hits for a big game who knows if that happens this season or not but um you know he's one of those guys that always takes a few dart dart throws on in large field play but um yeah and I mean that gives us some nice salary flexibility to i guess mess around with we've got these guys in the 6k range um, or we might pivot down at defense and try to get up to mike evans or Jalen Waddle. um don't we wanted the salary to get all the way up to oh oh god keegan take the Texans off go down to the bucks uh we have the salary to get all the way up to justin jefferson see I, okay so
1: actually that's great because i actually wanted to have a conversation about that i have a question mark next to justin justin jefferson and i've been wanting to know your full thoughts on everything with the backup quarterbacks and is he still you know the best wide receiver in the league so on so forth
0: yeah yeah i mean the you know obviously uh tyree kill has something to say about best wide receiver in the league but <laughs> he, <laughs> he uh you know it, we saw Jordan Addison put up 32 points last week with Nick Mullins. You know what I mean? So it's like when you look and say, "Oh, can can Justin Jefferson put up 30 plus points?" You know, Kirk Cousins was was literally playing as like a top five quarterback. Um, so the da- there's a downgrade there. It's not like Justin Jefferson's going to hit 30 points week in and week out like he was doing with Kirk Cousins. I mean, we look at the the start of the season. Um, what was it? Five, four games, four healthy games before he got hurt. He had 26. or more DraftKings points in every game. Last year, he hit for like 27 plus in 50% of his games. This year, he started out hitting 26 and a half plus in 100% of his games with Kirk Cousins. So that's not going to be there, but the trade-off of the lower ownership and the ceiling that he brings, because I think a lot of people, it's not like we're going to see Justin Jefferson. Imagine last year, Justin Jefferson at 8,100. Like he would have been 35% owned. 8,100 in a good matchup. You can't run against Detroit. This is a like... Minnesota can still win the division because they have two games left against Detroit. So they need Detroit to lose the game in the middle. They need to win out. They need to beat Detroit twice. But like, this is one of those games where you can see that aggressiveness developing. If Detroit is able to push the ball and and score against Minnesota. Um, So yeah, it's one of those spots where he's not going to project all that well, and therefore he's not going to be super high owned, but he's still the kind of guy who can go out and put up 35 plus points And it's a slate where there probably won't be that many 35 pointers, if any 35 pointers, right? So um, just the ceiling there. And when you trade it off with like, who else is available in this price range? You got Jalen Waddell who obviously could hit, but Tyreek Hill's expected to be back. Even that, even if he's a little bit gimpy, uh, we would expect the dolphins to try to develop the the run game. You got Mike Evans, who's like, has that ceiling, but super hit or miss Michael Pittman's going to be out. Uh, And then we're down to like Nico Collins in a horrible matchup DK Metcalf, who's top 20 points once with geno smith uh amari cooper with joe flacco's solid play but like you know when you compare what else we're kind of shopping through with justin jefferson it's like man yeah the the quarterback situation isn't ideal but it's not impossible for him to hit you know like one of the big one of the things i was heavy on last week was noah brown and it was the same thing it was like he was 5k and everyone was going to stay off him because cj stroud was out but it's like Well, he's the alpha wide receiver. Everybody else is hurt. He's the alpha wide receiver in this great offense. they are going to be able to scheme him open. Uh, He didn't get the 100-yard bonus, but he still went eight for 82 and a touchdown. And like the game could have broken a different way to where he could have put up 30 points, you know? So uh, yeah, I like looking for spots like this where people will be putting that question mark next to Justin Jefferson. uh, And that's the type of spot that I want to embrace and say like, I would rather lose because I played a bunch of, like I wasn't upset two weeks ago when I had a bunch of Jordan Addison and he bombed, you know, because I knew that, that what he did last week was in the range of outcomes. I won't be upset if I lose because I play a bunch of low owned Justin Jefferson and he doesn't have a good game. But I would be upset if I lost because I didn't have Justin Jefferson and he went yeah. off to 35 points yeah. at low ownership at 8,100 in a good matchup. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he's an extremely sharp play this week and could easily be. I mean, Miami's been tough against wide receivers. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown obviously can hit, but he's has kind of like a. His ceiling games typically aren't as high as what Justin Jefferson can post. So, yeah, I mean, I, to me, Justin Jefferson is the top guy when you take into account ownership, range of outcomes, uh, put it all together. So, yeah, I mean, I really like that that little move right there to, to get him
1: in this roster. Yeah, man, this this roster is super solid. And I love building these rosters with you every week. I mean, it, I, it does help. I'm like
0: looking at the whole roster for the first time right now.
1: <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is insane. It's crazy. <laughs> it's Although, a pretty
0: insane roster. Uh, you know, if you look
1: at this. Like another week, you would think this is a very high um, ownership projected roster. Um, but like you said, it's the way we did it that uh, changes that up.
0: Yeah, that player block is going to be low owned. Um, I would imagine Justin Jefferson will be moderately owned at at most, and um, and also it's just like. You, a lot of times you see the rosters in first place in a tournament and you're like oh god that was so obvious why yes. they, like why do they overthink things so much and it's yes. not that they're like they're still doing something different which like this roster right here but this very much looks like a roster that it would finish in first place, and people would
1: be like, "God, why didn't I see this roster?" You know, like it's and, so straightforward. And it's crazy because you see those those rosters in first place, and you're like, "How is this not duplicated in this exact tournament?" Yeah, how, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, how is there not a second one of these, and they're tied for first?
0: Yeah, is this is this is definitely one of those types of rosters, yeah and because of the the commit plus McBride, because of the full stack in that Bears Cardinals game even though these will be popular players, they're popular because they're really sharp plays. Like it's just not going to be compri like combinatorially popular uh, Hubbard plus Brees hall will probably be a somewhat popular pairing. But again, it doesn't matter as much to us because of the way this is put together. And, and then again, like Justin Jefferson is one of these plays that I, I could see him getting up to 15% owned. But like I said, in the past, if he were at this price tag in this matchup with Kirk Cousins under center, he'd be 35% owned, 40% owned. Um, And so 15%. And then we already said like our full stack of fields, Kemet, DJ Moore, Trey McBride, that full stack probably on 1% of rosters. So then if, if we assume that Justin Jefferson is only on 15% of those, that means that like 0.15% of a tournament field would have that starting point, right. Of this full block from the bears game plus Justin Jefferson and like we're so far ahead of the field if we get two bets right, which is just, you know, the Bears and Cardinals scoring some points and Justin Jefferson having a big game. We get those two bets right, and we're just like, we're basically everybody else is chasing us for first place on the slate. And then we just have kind of like solid popular plays. So it makes it that much harder for people to catch us, right? Because they have to take like suboptimal plays to try to leapfrog us and make up those points. And I think that's one of the things that when you look at those rosters in first place, if you reverse engineer them, the players are obvious, but also you can kind of see stuff like this where it's like, Oh, like they got two things, right. That put them way ahead of the field. And then the other pieces just like blocked people from catching them and passing them because they, they just didn't make mistakes in their other spots. And that's really what we're doing here is we're trying to get one thing right. That launches us ahead of everybody. Uh, and then sort of block everybody from catching us with just straightforward plays elsewhere, man, we could almost wrap up this week and just do no more <laughs> prep or research <laughs> you know i've got to duplicate line let's let's not publish this show you know, I duplicate lineups. <laughs> yeah
1: i think you i'm just going to use this one this week
0: we <laughs> are good to go uh i'll use it in high dollar stuff you use it in low dollar stuff and, and we'll
1: good. be set we'll roll <laughs> forward um anything else from you before we get out of here no man i'm super excited to uh talk about tomorrow and yeah they have this
0: yeah this made, this made me uh, a lot more excited for this week uh, doing yeah. this roster. <laughs> um, cool, man. Yeah. Fun as always. Um, I think we got some good stuff today. Obviously, I feel like we got some good stuff today. Um, anything uh, anything exciting for you next few days, Christmas stuff?
1: No, nothing exciting. <laughs> nothing uh, really crazy at all. Um, oh, I, I may have a job interview for nice like, my IT stuff. But uh, besides nice. that, nothing crazy um everybody in the uh comments i will try and and look and see i haven't been really doing that lately just because uh life has been kind of crazy so life life has been crazy crazy. (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah Uh, comment some stuff ask jm some questions and um i'll i'll be the mediator and i'll ask um and he can answer love it cool uh
0: as always Thanks for hanging out with us. We will see you. Keegan and I will be recording again tomorrow, Friday. Uh, That'll go live on Friday night or Saturday morning. So we will see you back here for that. We will see you on one week season throughout the weekend. And we'll see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday.